Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. All right, here's the deal. I just got to tell you this. We, get, we need to start with this, and that is we're going to talk about racism today, and I'm going to take, take it head on right out of the gate, just so you know. And the deal is, is that when it comes to racism, I get myself in trouble sometimes when I, when I joke around, because that's kind of my personality. And so there's a possibility today that I might inadvertently, not just a possibility, it's probably pretty certain that I'm going to say something stupid today. And what I'm asking is, I want you to imagine that over top of me is an umbrella of God's grace, and that when you look at me and when you hear what comes out of my mouth, that, that you will take it in the, the kindest possible way, and that if I, I misspeak or if I, I never, just so you know, in a message, I have never in 25 years written a joke in a sermon, ever. That anything that I say that, that I find like humorous is on the spot. It just is. It, it just, it just kind of comes out. I find it humorous at times. And, and so today, I'm going to try not to do that in an effort to try not to offend. Now, that having been said, that having been said, where, where we, I want you to start today is with a, a definition of racism that's on the top of your notes. And, uh, and, and this is a definition of racism that is given. It is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Okay, prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone on a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. We're going through Jonah, and Jonah was a racist. Jonah was, was a Jew who believed that he was better than everyone else, better than everyone in Nineveh, simply based on their race just to get that, that clear, okay? So now, the question I have underneath that, this is, this, you can, I guess, answer this question about me. Am I a racist? But really, the hope is that you would look at this and ask yourself the question, for you, am I a racist? Would, when you answer this question. So I'm going to give you a little view into my life, and, and I'm going to start with telling you why I am not a racist, and, and what I would start with is the place where all things start at Crosswalk, and that is my growth group. And so in my growth group, I have had individuals that are uh, American Indian. I have had people that are, uh, have been of Asian descent, Filipino, um, Mexican, Hispanic, Latino, all of that. I'm trying to think of all the different ones, Caucasian. Uh, all of those people, and there's nothing on my growth group that says, uh, please state your race before you're accepted into this growth group. And, and I welcome everyone uh, who, who wants to be part of the growth group to come into my house, to sit down in my home, that my home is their home, and, and I welcome them. Uh, the next thing that I would say is a reason why I am not a racist is that 
in my family, and, and I have a larger family, uh, we have a number of adopted children uh, that, that have been adopted into our family that we have welcomed into our family. And they have, uh, all of them have been children of color. And so as I, I think of my, my niece, who happens to be black, that I don't think of her as my black niece, I think of her as my niece, who's, who's part of our family. So that would be another reason I say that would be proof that I'm not a racist. Uh, another thing that I would point to is the ministry we have here at Crosswalk. That as you look around here today, that there are people of many different ethnic uh, backgrounds, and, and it has been this way since I've been here, and we celebrate that. We enjoy that. And finally, I guess my, my, I, would say that I, I would say that I'm not a racist because my, some of my closest personal friends, my closest that are in my, my tightest circle of close friends are of all different color. I mean, that, that I look at them, I look at them as individuals that I love and I value, and their ethnicity does, isn't even on my radar. Okay. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you why I am a racist, and why some people would look at me and say, Dan, you are a racist, and they would probably be right. First of all, let's look at the, the, the racism, the prejudice. That, am I prejudiced? Prejudice, if you look really at that word, I want you to think about it in terms of prejudice meaning prejudge. That you come immediately to a judgment based on a person's race. And I'm going to tell you this, just, just so we're clear. When I say that, that there's evidence that I would be a racist, I want to make it clear, I'm not saying I'm a white supremacist. I'm not saying that I, I think I'm better than other people necessarily according to this definition, but I'm just telling you there, there are seeds that, that of the differences that I identify them and, and sometimes get, well, I do, maybe have a feeling of superiority in, in some level. Anyways, prejudice. And I'm going to tell you, again, I'm going to say this. This is not a joke. So, so when I tell you this, it's just a reality and, and it's a very sad thing. This, we, what did we have? Three um, fatal head-on collisions of people going the wrong way on the interstate? Okay? And the latest one was a person coming out of Sky Harbor, right? And so I was half watching the news. So I had the news on, and they're talking about someone who came out of Sky Harbor Airport who went the wrong way. It's like, how can you even do that? I mean, that, that's the first thought that went through my head. And then they showed a picture of one of the individuals that was killed. And he was Asian. And I immediately prejudged. Yeah, it's someone who's Asian coming out of the airport, doesn't know what they're doing, don't know how to drive. And then I heard the rest of the news story. No, this was the person who was killed by the wrong way driver. And, and it all happened while I was doing this message. And I'm like, Dan, are you kidding me? Do, do you realize that is prejudice? That is by definition that you prejudged with half of the information and, and came up with a superiority of, of the guy who did drive, who, of course, I don't think then, oh, sure, he was white. Because all white people are bad. No, I don't think that way. It was, race only came in when it was different from me as a reason why this person did it. The next one is discrimination. 
Uh, discrimination is a word that has really gotten a bad, a bad connotation to it. But I would argue everyone here discriminates, and you should. And here is how you should. When you go in to the fries, and you go into the fruit and vegetable department, you discriminate. You pick up two pieces of fruit and you say, which one of these looks better? And, or you go over to, and, and you look at it and say, you know, you thump it, you look at it, and you make, you discriminate and say, which one of these do I want to buy? And which one do I want to leave for someone else to buy? And, and you want to get the best one. And that's not, that's not wrong. It's simply discriminating, judging based on, uh, on what you have in front of you. But what was interesting about this is, is when I moved down here, and this was now a couple of years ago, almost three years ago, we had to make a decision on who we were going to rent our home to. We ended up having like 15 people send in resumes of, of wanting to rent our home because it's in an area where there are not many home rentals. And so we got all of this information together and what you had to do is you had to now discriminate not between two vegetables, but now you're discriminating not in a negative way, not in the connotation based on race, but you have to make a decision of who you want to live in your home. And as you look at that, the thought in our head was who is going to take the best care of our home? Who, who is, who's going to, should I wait in if they have children or not? And so we did that. Picked a white guy with one child who destroyed our home. <laughs> Cost us $5,000 and two weeks of, of work to go fix it two years later. I'm, I'm bad at discrimination, even in a good way. <laughs> and then finally, the final one is antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on belief that one's own race is superior. An example of that, we, this is one today, and this is kind of a joke. Antagonist, I did this this morning. Calvin Hugger is right back there doing our sound today. Calvin, raise your hand. You can look at him if you don't know him. I am an antagonist against Calvin Hugger, but it's not because he's black. It's a totally different reason. It's, it's his personality. No, I'm just kidding. Calvin is one of my closest friends. He's, he's an elder in the church, and I love him to death. And so there are times when we do, when we, we recognize that, that he is black, okay? I am white, okay? We, we recognize that. We love each other. And, it, and it's not a reason that I look at him differently. It's just part of who we are. Now, as we go into this today, this is important because where we are going into, all of these things having been said, we're going into this lesson of Jonah with two groups of racists. Jonah was a racist against the, against the Ninevites, but so were they. And so you have this really weird thing where, where Jonah's going to a people he doesn't want to go to to talk to a group of people who don't want to listen to what he has to say. And, and so even in the midst of this, even in the midst of this hatred for one another based on a, a, a nationality, based on a patriotism both for Nineveh and a patriotism that, that was based for Jewish people, that even in the midst of this, the, this misdirected zeal for their country, that God was pointing them 
not at each other, but an encouragement that both of them needed to look up. And so as we think about the, the cures for our society for racism, and they are alive and well. I mean, if you watched the news yesterday, you know that, that yesterday was a day of, of protests and antagonism and and even depending on where you were looking, it was a time of hate. That the answer for these things, just so you know, the approach we're coming from today, the answers to these are not political. They are not. They are not going to, to go away when you have the right person in office. But rather they come when we start looking, stop looking at each other and, and definitely stop looking at ourselves and look up to the God who has grace for all races. We go to our first passage, and this is not from, from Jonah, but it's the start of where I want to start as we deal with how race plays into God's grace. And it's Acts 17, 26. From one man he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. This was... Uh, these words were spoken by the Apostle Paul when he was in Athens. And when he was in Athens, he was speaking to really kind of a think tank on Mark, Mars Hills. So it was all of these different philosophers. And, and, and he's talking to them about all the different gods that are there and philosophy and, and how they, they dealt with life. And this is the, the, the truth that, that he's teaching us. And, and you can write it in the blank. There is really only one race, the human race. And, and that is when, I, as I was doing preparation and reading for this, it's very interesting that, that I would even say grace for all races is, is, is kind of a misnomer. It should be grace for the human race. And when you look at that, what it is, is it's looking around at, at people who are of of have differences than you, maybe different ethnicity, uh, maybe different skin color, whatever it is. And we know, and, and this is true whether you believe what the Bible says or not, that there, if you follow science, there, there is a, a belief and proof that all of us go back to a common ancestor. That means we're all part of the same family. And even though we might have a few different family traits, we are all part of the human race all part of the world that is loved by God, all of us. And, and this is going to start, the, the, the hate will stop as we st start looking at each other, not as people who are different, but as brothers and sisters created by God in the same way that we are, that have been put into this world for a specific reason and purpose. Sometimes we know what that is, sometimes we don't, but the common purpose we share is, is to give God glory in everything we do. Now we go to Jonah. So recognizing this, uh, this is chapter three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to this great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Jonah would be a much shorter book if he would have done that the first time. <laughs> It'd only be two chapters then, right? 
And, and so finally what happens is Jonah, after going on his trip and being thrown into the water, after being a runaway and then distressed and then spit back out on land, God comes to him again and Jonah says, you know what? Going to Nineveh might not be a bad idea. In the blank, you can write, in his grace, God sometimes gives us a do-over, make use of it. This is a hard one because what I didn't write here, I could have, is God's grace for the racist. And, and, and in this situation that Jonah was given a second time to rethink the way that he looked at people, time again to rethink the way that he looked at the Ninevites. Just so you know, we're going to look at the next chapter. I don't want to ruin it, but he still hated them. He went, but it didn't change the fact that he hated them because of their race. But what I want you to think about here is leave, you can leave race off the table just for a moment. Maybe it applies somewhat. But what I do want you to think about is a, the do-over that God gives you. On the one hand, you can say in a general way, each of us is given a do-over every day. Each day is a gift of God's grace. His, his mercy is new every morning. And so when I hop out of bed in the morning, when you hop out of bed, it is a new day when God has a clean slate. I, I confess my sin. Lord, forgive me for all the wrong that I have done. Show your forgiveness to me. He does it. And I start today, and when God looks at me, when God looks at you starting the new day, it, I'm justified. It's just as if I had never sinned. And, and that is our, our relationship with God. But I also know that you know in specific areas of your life, you don't get a do-over. I don't get a do-over for the four years of college I wish I had studied harder at. I wish I had a do-over, right? I wish I could go back, and then I would study more. No, I wouldn't. Who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? I'd waste the do-over. Some of you wish you had a do-over in a marriage. Where, where you look at it and you say, the, the problem is, the, we say it this way, the, that bridge is burned. And so we can't go back. Maybe it's words that, that we can't, can't take back that we said, that they have done their damage and it's too late. Maybe it's a job situation that, that either because it was our fault, their fault, whoever's fault it was, it's over. It's not, I can't go back to where I was. So, if you are in a position in life where you are given a do-over, please use it. God has given, given it to you in his grace and, and given you the second chance. We continue. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Wow, what a message. That Jonah had to love this preaching. Jonah, hating Nineveh, gets to go in and his message is, in 40 days, you're all gonna die. And I'm gonna be up on, there, on that hill and I'm gonna watch. And it's gonna be one of the happiest days of my life. And, and this is one of the, the ironies of, of preaching God's word and, and with Jonah of, of hating them, that we, we sometimes get confused. And I will tell you this, that sometimes this is part of my personality. 
And that is because I really like people and maybe even sometimes am a people pleaser at times where I either I don't say things I should or, or whatever it is, that preaching God's law in all its severity is hard. I am telling you that, that as a pastor, I became a pastor so I could tell people, Jesus loves you and he's taken away your sins. But before I say that, what you also need to hear is 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. That the punishment for sin is death and the punishment for that sin is ultimately not just death but hell that follows and that's because of sin. And because you have sin in your life, because I have sin in my life, God's judgment is also on you. That's harsh and that's a lot easier to tell to an enemy if you're doing it because you're trying to hurt them. But that's not why we preach God's law. We don't do it out of hate, we do it out of love. Because we need to know the truth. We need to know the truth about our relationship with God and it has nothing to do with your ethnicity. It has nothing to do with your skin color. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So um, in the blank you can write, condemning sin is not racism. Condemning sin is not racism, it is loving and the first part of grace. Instead of loving, I was going to write honest. I didn't know which one to use, but both of them are pretty, pretty similar. So, so as you look at that, the preaching of the law, the, the fact that we bring up sin, and not just sin in a general way, but, but as it, it's sin in, in your own life and in my life. And that's how it can come from this stage. It can come from a conversation, but it can also come from your individual of study of God's word, which is what happened with me this week. That as I was doing this message and as I looked at racism and as I started from a perspective of saying, I am not a racist. I love people of all nations. I, I'm not. That when I started to look at this, that, that I started to realize as I went deeper that, that even though... Th- Again, that I'm not purposeful in doing it. That there are times when I look at different people and groups of people differently. That's part of my human sinful nature. And it needs to be identified and it needs to be confessed and it needs to be stopped. And that is what God's word does for me. But it's not just the sin of racism. It's every sin. It is every sin that infects my heart and why I need God's word every day, his law, which points out the sin, and then his grace, his gospel, in which he forgives me and tells me, even though I'm not perfect, Jesus, my Savior, was. And my sins and your sins through him have been taken away. We continue. Three, four best words of of the whole text. The Ninevites believed God. The Ninevites believed God. And all they had heard to this point were the threats. That's it. They, they believed God that 40 days from that time that their sin deserved punishment. That's all that they knew. Jonah never told them what they should do if they believed it or, or that God would even forgive them. But they believed that. They believed God. 
a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Wow. I'm going to have you fill in the blank first, and then I'll comment on it. Uh, So first of all, God's grace is for all people of all positions. So this is from the least to the greatest, uh, that it doesn't make any difference who you are. So, So not only are we looking at this from a race point of view as we're looking at a different race, but now even in that race when we have different classifications from those who are most important, the king, down to those who are least important, it's for all of those as well. The God's grace goes goes deep and wide uh, in, in, in who it is for. And then it teaches us, grace teaches us to look away from self and to him. Teaches us to look away from self and to him. One of the things they did was fasting, okay? Now, I don't know if you use that term fasting or if you have ever done it. Um, I will tell you that for 50 years of being in a Christ, as a Christian, I have never fasted until this month. So first of all, I want to start with fasting, what it is, what it isn't. There was a, a lady at the church I, I was at previously who, who told me, Pastor, every Friday I fast. As, as a reminder of Jesus dying on Good Friday, I fast. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. I was, that's pretty cool. So, so I happened to see her one Friday, and she's like, I got to get going. My husband and I are going out for a fish fry tonight. I'm like, what's the deal? I thought you said you were fasting. Oh, I don't, I don't eat red meat on Fridays. I'm like, then I fast a lot. Um, that, I didn't realize that was even a definition of what fasting is. And, and so when, when we're talking about fasting from a, a Bible perspective, what we're talking about is not eating any food, and, and having only water. And I had never done that. This month, I've done it four times. And the first time I did it was two days after I had given up caffeine and sugar. And I was in absolute agony. I mean, it was, I feel sorry for anyone who has to go through, because I will call it addiction, is what I would call it, because I, I wanted to stop so many times, and I didn't, and I couldn't. And I was just in such utter agony for all day, just all day long. And it went, and I went for 24 hours. Uh, and, and so it was, it was crazy hard. And then the, the next time I did it was a week later, and it was a lot easier because I realized I, I wasn't having headaches from lack of caffeine and yeah, all, the, all of that stuff. But this is the point, fasting and, and going without what it really does. And, and the reason why I think it's a very beneficial thing is it makes you stop thinking about yourself. And it makes you, actually it makes you start thinking about yourself. <laughs> and then you are forced to say, if I'm going to continue to do this, I need to think about something else. And that is my God and what he has given me. And, and there is, I think there's a proper way to fast and a proper way to break the fast and recognizing, God, this is not about me, but I, wanted to, I want to give this up, not because it makes me a better person, but rather that it's a time where I can take thoughts from myself into my relationship with you. 
In the same way, sackcloth and ashes, it's the same thing. That when you put on a burlap bag, when it's 100 degrees out and you're sweating and you're dirty and it's going up against you and it's rubbing and it's uncomfortable, that it's meant to direct your thoughts to the way that sin is. Because sometimes in our sinful lives, we get much too comfortable. And fasting and sackcloth in action were an outward way of showing God we're beginning to understand. And we're showing physical manifestations of the spiritual things that are deep inside of us. And we're confessing our sin to you. And it was a sign that they believed God. That they understood the depth of their sin and they were going to God begging for forgiveness. We continue. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animal herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. You did not want to live in Nineveh at this time. They would have been the grumpiest city in the world. All the people, the the animals, you're not feeding the animals. You know what that's going to sound like all day? You ever have a dog you didn't feed that is bothering you all day? Ever been on a farm when you're late in doing the chores and there's, they're just, it's just chaos and it's misery and everyone's unhappy. And and that is what was called for for these people to, to realize that it goes everywhere. But then also, as they realize the threats of God, they look to the promises of God. In the blank, you can write, belief in God moves us to take his threats and promises with equal seriousness. That God is serious about sin, but you know what? He's serious about his promises. And so it led them to say, perhaps God will forgive us. And then the very next part, Jonah chapter three, verse 10. When God saw that Uh, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and it did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God showing mercy. And and like I said, these people didn't even necessarily know, they knew God as a God who, who, who was just. And now they got to experience the other part of God's heart, that he was loving as well. A loving and gracious God who forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. A God who shows love to a thousand generations and who wants nothing more than a relationship with you. In the blank, you can write, God's desire is to free us from the slavery, from our slavery to sin, so that we can enjoy a relationship with him. God wants us to to put that aside to, to, to take that sin, to confess it, to repent of it, to lay it before him. And the beauty of this is that as we do that, we know the whole story. How great it is that, that we know about the promise of the Savior. We're able to look at the cross of Jesus Christ and, and see where sin was taken and how sin was paid for. We're able to look at, at this, this account through the open tomb through which Jesus walked on Easter knowing that he is alive and he has taken away our sin. We know of God's great love for us. And as you begin to see this, do you, do you realize that now, now we no longer look at Ninevites as Ninevites, but we look at them as brothers and sisters, not only who have been made from a common ancestor, but brothers and sisters who have a common savior.
those who are loved by God, those who have had their hearts turned just like you and me from a loving God who doesn't want us to perish, but wants us to be part of his family. And that now is how we get to look at one another. No matter which nationality, no matter what skin color you have, it doesn't make any difference. God's love for all of us is complete and the same. The promises are for all of us. That's the end of chapter 3. But one other verse I wanted to throw in there just because it, it really brings us all together is from Acts 15. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Just so we're, we're clear, Gentiles are non-Jews. And so as we look at the majority, this is the irony that when we think of racism, that, that, that we're looking at this as other people's skin colors. They looked at it as only Jews, those people who were God's people, and everybody else. And most of us would fit, fit in the category of everyone else. And, and so this promise is for you, that God made a decision. And that decision is that he was not going to look at people based on their skin color or their ethnicity, but he was going to love us all. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. What a beautiful message. A beautiful message of, of our relationship with God based on the work of Jesus Christ uh, by grace alone, through faith, by faith alone, that we have this relationship with God. In the blank, you can write, for God, for God it's not about race, it's about grace. And so, I'm going to invent a new word today, all right? This is the new word I'm going to have, and, I, and, and we'll see if it catches on. Because I want you to know that I am a gracist. And I, 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 I proudly say that gracism is something that I adhere to. And, and a gracist is someone who looks at a, a, a person and doesn't care about their skin color or anyone else, but looks a gracist looks at everyone and says, this is an individual for whom Jesus died. This is someone who is part of my family. This is someone that God has shown grace to just like he has shown to me. And so I will be a gracist and I will share gracism uh, and God's grace uh, as Jonah did to Nineveh, as, as Paul did to Jews and Gentiles, and as we do today. What a great opportunity to show God's grace for everyone. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Let's pray. 
Dear Lord God, thank you for the wonderful gift of grace. And, and we look at it as it is. It's undeserved love. And that's the beauty of it, Lord, is that as we look at it, because it's undeserved love, there's nothing I can do to, to blow it or to not have it as part of my life. It, it's, it's free, and it's this gift from you, and it's amazing. And so, Lord, uh, help me that as I value the grace that you've given to me, to show that same grace to those around me. Help me to look at everyone around me, uh, no matter what country they come from, no matter what their skin color, no matter who they are, no matter what they have done, that we can show grace to them in the same way that you have shown to us. And so, Lord, we pray, please work through your grace. Please work through the message of your gospel to bring all your children into your family. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.